0: and welcome back to the weekly review presented by The Macro Review. I'm your co-host Parker Johnson, unfortunately not joined by Hugo this week as he gets the week off. Hugo will be joining us on Monday for our first ever yearly review. This is a chance for us to look at what happened in 2024 from the predictions made by the financial giants of the world all the way through to the rate hikes, inflation, and what IPOs happened. This week on The Weekly Review, we'll be discussing Diamond Sports and Amazon's potential interest in raising their stake in the live broadcasting game. We'll talk about Bird's recently announced bankruptcy, the Red Sea and the drama that's happening there, and we'll finish off this week with the U.S. Steel acquisition. Without further ado, I'll jump into things. Diamond Sports is a sports broadcasting company that if you are in the Midwest or the South, you might know of as they have been the kind of regional sponsor of sports for a while. They acquired a stake in Fox Sports and and Disney uh, just about four years ago, and then three years ago, changed the name from Fox Sports to Bally Sports and they have broadcasting rights to 42 professional teams. So a mixture of MLB, NHL and NBA teams are kind of the teams that they are known for. In 2023, the beginning of this year, they announced bankruptcy this was major because obviously a lot of the income that sports teams get is from these broadcasting rights. The commercial ads, everything that they're able to do from getting new fans all the way through to the final production is really, really hinged upon the broadcaster. And so in this case, unfortunately, many teams were left wondering whether they would get enough revenue to cover their costs or whether they what they were going to do about that. And so a lot of things were in the air recently the nhl announced that they would be still promoting all of their sports from there i believe it is maybe 11 teams 12 nhl teams that are on valley sports they would continue to use Bally sports through the rest of the year and then they would take back the rights and be able to sell those again in the new year or the new season amazon interestingly enough has been in talks apparently for them to potentially take over Diamond Sports Group and i think what's interesting about this is when you look at what they've done with thursday night football right they signed this billion dollar contract to take over the rights for thursday night football it's been a great success last year which was the first year they did it there was you know an issue where the games weren't that great i don't know that that was amazon's fault they were just kind of bad games in general but this year i think there's been a real uptick and a real kind of excitement around what amazon is doing in the ai space you know, they're not afraid to innovate when it comes to these things. And so for them to kind of take that next step and to get into a more diverse set of professional sports, I think is a very interesting look. And so we'll see what happens. Now, that being said, both Amazon and Diamond Sports Group have kind of You know, failed to comment on this. You know, this is all speculative, but insiders have said that Amazon is considering investment in Diamond Sports Group with a potential of maybe in the 2024 or 2025 seasons to actually take over and start producing the content themselves. One other note is, of course, with the NHL's new agreement with Diamond Sports, it'll be interesting to see if Amazon wants the. Diamond Sports Group to renegotiate with the NHL before they take a crack at it, as otherwise they'd be missing out on one of the big fours, um, you know, group of, of 11 teams that they'd be missing out on. On to our next topic, talking about Bird Scooters. For those of you who haven't used Bird Scooters before, they were akin to an Uber for these electric scooters. And so you could download the app, scan it, hop on a Bird scooter, ride it wherever, drop it off wherever you wanted, and you would pay a flat fee initially and then, you know, a certain amount per minute used on the on the scooter. In my personal opinion they were more of kind of a novelty than anything else i didn't really find them that useful um, to get around you know i i use city bikes here in the city and so um, those have obviously taken over and, and that was a big partnership but bird was a kind of silicon valley darling they raised over 883 million dollars um but unfortunately when the pandemic hit they weren't able to innovate and kind of change right obviously people weren't going out as much you know bird scooters were seen as kind of this city device where you know you go out to a bar here's something where you can go from bar to bar and it's and it's easy to do and unfortunately they were just never able to recover post pandemic interestingly enough despite the fact that you know they're losing profit they're not really doing well in 2021 they actually went public through a special acquisition and so you know when that happened their stock obviously shot through the roof and there was a lot of excitement about you know what was being in the public eye going to do for them unfortunately they have just had kind of failing quarter after quarter and eventually the exchange kicked them off because they weren't able to maintain a market cap above 15 million for 30 consecutive days if you look at their Stock price from when they started to where they ended. If you had invested in them in 2021, they were trading around 154 dollars a share, and when they closed for the final time, they were trading at just over eight cents a share. So hopefully that is not a stock that you you know put a lot of your life savings in. It'll be interesting to see what happens with Bird Scooter as there are a lot of competitors, whether it be Lime or City Bike or anything like that. And the bikes themselves are obviously worth money. And so it'll be interesting to see if a company comes in to buy the whole or if they're sold as parts and kind of distributed that way. Our next topic is the Red Sea. If you haven't been paying attention with what's going on in the Red Sea, I don't blame you. It was something that was kind of hidden in my feed. But, you know, I, I had an interesting, you know, kind of tweet or X come across my page. And I was like, oh, what's going on with that? And so um, it it was basically a picture of all of the shipping vessels. And you could see that they were all routing themselves away from the Red Sea. And what has happened is um, there have been a number of attacks since the Israel uh, and, and Hamas kind of conflict started. There have been a number of attacks on shipping vessels around the Red Sea region. Um, you know, if you, if you don't have a map pulled up of the Red Sea, basically, uh, you know, you have Djibouti, which is this country known for basically being the gatekeeper of the Red Sea. And then you have the Red Sea, which is surrounded by Egypt, Saudi Arabia, Sudan, Yemen, Eritrea. Um, and then Israel kind of has a little piece of that as well this is a very crucial shipping lane as you know stuff from china there's basically two options right they can go due east across you know the the pacific ocean which is this wide open kind of dangerous area or they can route around india through into the red sea and then that gives them into europe and then from europe they can then distribute across the atlantic ocean over into the us and so it's a very crucial thing because you know, if they don't want to go the Pacific route, which, you know, most China shipments don't go, they go Europe, then US. If they don't want to do that, the other option, if you avoid the Red Sea, is to go along the tip of Africa, the Horn of Africa, as it's known. And that used to be the main kind of way for ships to go before, you know, these canals were created to increase shipping lanes. And it seems that a lot of ships are now going that way again. And that is because of these Houthi attacks on, you know, these shipping things. And so these are private, you know, commercial ships that are being attacked. And there's been 37 incidents since November 19th, which is, you know, more than one a day in that time, you know, as of today. Um, and, and so it, it's, it's very interesting. BP and, and a lar- bunch of other large merchant companies are either halting their cargo ships or rerouting them. The U.S. is obviously getting involved, as we you know, like to do, in a strange kind of move by the U.S., by Biden. We actually reached out to China. Obviously, this is affecting China as well and and called for their help in protecting the Red Sea. And China has basically said, not interested. You know, we're not supporting um, the Houthis, but we're also not going to, you know, help protect this. We're just going to let it be and and we'll see what happens. So, you know, that I don't know if that's going to escalate tensions between US and China. Obviously, you know, Xi Jinping was here in San Francisco recently. And so tensions, I feel like are getting better and relationships are getting better. But who knows how this will affect that. At the end of the day, you know, we don't want to go through another you know, toilet paper crisis of 2020, where, you know, people were getting bonuses in toilet paper because the supply chain was so screwed up. And so it'll be interesting to see how this works. You know, the, the Houthis are backed by Iran. And so, you know, that is a player that, that we have dealt with in the past. And, you know, we've just recently removed ourselves from Yemen were we to get involved again fully does that put us right back in the thick of things where we've just left a lot of questions a lot of stuff you know right at the end of the year and coming into again as we've talked on the pod before an election cycle how does that play into things our final news story of the week something to just keep on your register is us steel stock ticker x uh has received a bid by nippon steel which is kind of their japanese rival uh, for an acquisition, and so if you haven't paid attention to steel, again, I don't blame you. But you know the U.S. has long been known as a top steel producer, right? When you look at Pittsburgh, the Steelers are affectionately known for that because of their steel production back in the day. You know, when you look at the Vanderbilt family, that's what he's known for, right? Was his his steel production, and so that's been something that America has hung its hat on for a while. And unfortunately, it's something that has kind of started to move offshore. And so the large U.S. steel providers are really, you know, going down in valuation. Um, United States Steel used to be the number one value company in the world. And now, you know, this Nippon Steel acquisition was for, I believe, $14 billion, $14.9 billion. I'm sorry. So, you know, that's certainly nothing to turn your nose up at but you know when you look at our largest companies our apples our teslas our googles our microsoft's it's not even close yet we understand that what steel is is so important to everyday life and so it'll be interesting to what to see what happens with this in terms of you know regulatory and and everything like that obviously you know a japanese company taking over the largest u.s steel company is something that regulators are not going to love you know, Americans love to keep American companies in America and under American control. And so it'll just be interesting to see how the, you know, committee on foreign investment in the US, which is, you know, the, the committee that will look into this, it'll be interesting to see if they challenge it, block it, or just let it flow. You, you know, it's again, a, a really sad story of, you know, something that could be considered a symbol of America right? Something that was able to help us turn the tide of World War II through resources and then through, you know, our soldiers going over with these U.S. steel, you know, these these vehicles and weapons and everything that, that was backed by these companies. And so it, it's an interesting and kind of sad way to end the year with, you know, this this acquisition and, You know, if they don't get acquired, do they move themselves towards bankruptcy? But again, something interesting to track into 2021 as potentially one of the early large acquisitions, you know, here in the U.S. That's all I have here for the weekly review. Hopefully you still enjoyed it without the co-host. I know that Hugo brings a lot to the pod, but again, this is something that is a little bit more informational as opposed to expositional. And so something we felt like could be done as a solo route. And I'm sure Hugo will do some solo ones as well in the upcoming weeks and months. But again, be on the lookout for the yearly review coming out on Monday. As per usual, if you'd like to get in contact, the instagram and emails for both me and hugo are in the show notes and if i haven't said it to you personally i truly hope that you have a great and happy holidays and if you're celebrating merry christmas thank you and we will see you in the new year